Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It's Wednesday morning. I hope you all are having a great week. I hope that you're, gosh, getting over this news. No, not the news of like political stuff, but the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers certainly have some stuff going against them with COVID, with Vance McDonald testing positive, with four players. Those four players, by the way, were... Vince Williams, Ben Roethlisberger, Jalen Samuels, and Gerald Hawkins, who have been put on the reserve list. But there's so much, so so many layers to this. And I did a whole podcast on this with breaking news when it was found out who was positive. Um, talked about it in my Mike Tomlin press conference recap. You can check that out. That was uh, on the on the website and also on our podcast platform on Tuesday. But the hope isn't just that Roethlisberger and Williams and company can play on Sunday. We know McDonald's going to be out, but my gosh, you hope that no one else tests positive. You hope this doesn't turn into a Tennessee Titans outbreak. You hope that that doesn't happen. Fingers crossed, knock on wood at the time that this is being recorded. That has not happened. Ben Roethlisberger and all the others tested negative. If they continue to test negative, they'll be back with the team on Saturday doing walkthroughs and hopefully, Everything will go swimmingly in week 10 with the Cincinnati Bengals coming to Heinz Field. It's going to be good for the Steelers to be back at home. It really is. I mean, you think about this season, how crazy it's been. You know, they go on the road in week one, then they have four straight home games, and they're on the road for three. Now they're back at home. It's good for the Steelers to be back at Heinz Field, having some fans there. Should be a good experience. But that's not really what we want to talk about today. I teased this on Monday. You know, Monday's whole podcast was about your feelings and get out of your feelings, get out of the way. I wanted to focus this podcast on the Pittsburgh Steelers identity crisis in 2020. Now, I want to make something very clear here. I don't want people to listen to this and think Jeff has all the answers. No, I don't. If I had all the answers, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be getting paid a lot more. Let's just put it that way. But also, I don't want people to listen to this podcast and think that this is some type of magic elixir. This is just what I think would be best for the team, both on offense and defense. We're going to split it up for them to succeed. And when I say succeed, I'm not just talking about staying perfect. I'm talking about winning a Super Bowl. That's what it comes down to, winning a Super Bowl. So in the first segment, I want to talk about the offense. In the second segment, I want to talk about the defense. And then at the very end, I want to throw in a little, I wasn't going to do this, but I want to throw in a segment that has to do with a Twitter poll that I put out today. And I was shocked, A, at the amount of people that voted, but also the results. So stay tuned to that at the end of this podcast. You don't want to miss that. All right, first and foremost, the identity crisis with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. When I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense in 2020, the one thing that I've I really admired about this team was how semi-balanced they were, you know, and we're going to talk about that and whether that's even attainable here in a second. And so as I was looking at numbers and looking up statistics, and I got some really good information or really good suggestions, I should say, from fans on Twitter that said, hey, you should look at like their deep ball pass ratings. And look, I... 
that's a rabbit hole that you can go down. Dave Schofield will tell you, you can go down these rabbit holes with statistics and you may never, you might never find your way back out. <laughs> you may get lost. And all of a sudden you're like, what, what was I looking for in the first place? So I tried to avoid those deep dives into statistics because to me, statistics, statistics can be manipulated almost to the point where it can fit your narrative. You can take a stat, any stat, and say, well, I can twist this around and make this look like it's perfectly supporting what I'm trying to say. You see it happen all the time, all the time, okay? So let's talk about this from a realistic standpoint. If I'm looking for, okay, what is their identity? What is the Steelers' identity going to be moving forward in the second half of the season? To me, it's all about one word. It's about efficiency. It is about efficiency, period. And they say, well, so what do you mean by efficiency, Jeff? That doesn't make much sense when it comes to football. I get it. I do get it. So let's talk about that. We want to be efficient. We want the Steelers offense to be efficient in every facet of the word. First and foremost, it starts with one player, the guy that stirs the drink. We know that Ben Roethlisberger. In the first half of the season, he has thrown 18 touchdowns to only four interceptions. And I, I keep going back to this and saying, if he only threw two against Tennessee, or if he only threw one against Tennessee, my gosh, these numbers would be even better. But he did have three interceptions in that Tennessee game, and so that's why he has four at the halfway point. I'm not suggesting that he's going to be able to do this, but if he were to able to double those numbers, he finishes the season, let's assuming he plays all 16 games, he finishes with 36 touchdowns to eight interceptions, Okay, 36 touchdowns would be a career high for Ben Roethlisberger, and that's that says something because he's had some very good statistical seasons. That doesn't mean that those seasons led to Super Bowl wins, but he's had some very good statistical seasons. The eight interceptions, although not a career low, would be a career low if in a season where he plays all 16 games. Anytime that he had under eight, he didn't play a full season. I think the most games he played were 12. So take that into consideration. If he finishes with 36 touchdowns to eight interceptions, holy cow, what a season. But that would be the epitome of efficient. Efficient when it matters the most. Where does it matter the most? The red zone. The red zone is where it matters the most. That's where when you can put up to touchdown instead of a field goal, that's the difference between winning and losing in most games. The Pittsburgh Steelers right now, their red zone efficiency, and this is talking about just scoring touchdowns. So converting a red zone possession into a touchdown, not points, a touchdown. They have a 66.67% conversion rate. That is ninth in the national football league. Not horrible. Top 10, top 10 group. That's a top 10 group for an offense that when you look at the Steelers statistically, they don't rank high on almost really on many, many of the uh, categories. We'll put it that way. But 66.67, that is their red zone percentage. Now, let's look at it this way. In the last three games, they've had a 72.73% conversion rate. Now, that is nice. That is really nice. You're almost at 75% total. That means you're scoring touchdowns on three out of every four. That's, that's a good number. That is efficient. That's what I'm talking about here, folks. To me, the Steelers' offense, especially with the defense that they have, they don't need to be ridiculous, ridiculously dominant. I know fans would love it, but they don't need to be dominant. What they need to do is they need to be efficient. 
They need to be efficient. Now, last week, I talked about the points off of turnovers and how so far this season, the Steelers have been so good at taking points or scoring points when they take the football away. And Dave Schofield was kind enough to give me all those stats. They're averaging over a field goal per turn takeaway. And that's probably gone up after their game against Dallas. So for this situation, efficiency is the key, but there's more. They need to be efficient in every facet, like I said earlier. So we talked about balance earlier. Balance. I used to always say that when I was doing my uh, Standard is a Standard podcast with Lance Williams. We would always talk about, okay, what are your keys to the game, Jeff? And I'd always do the offense, and I'd always say the same thing. Balance. And he would always laugh. He goes, man, you say the same thing every time. But it's right. I, I, I always wanted the offense to be balanced. I wanted them to have some semblance of we can run it if we want to run it, and we can throw it if we want to throw it. But as I think about that more in today's National Football League, especially with the Steelers 8-0, Mike Tomlin acknowledged it in his Tuesday press conference. Everyone that's watched this team so far this season knows with every single win, that target on their back gets bigger and bigger. You are going to get teams very best every single time you take the field. Dallas is the perfect example. You don't think for a second that Dallas didn't know all those stats and all those rankings and that they didn't say, you know what, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. And it's not just the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the fact that they are the only undefeated team in the NFL. We are going to be the ones that give them their first loss. That'll get you ramped up. That'll have you playing better. That'll have you focusing more. And so you could go the Ryan Clark route. He uh, he said on social media that the best team in the NFL is whoever plays the Steelers after a Ravens game. And maybe he has some maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. But ultimately, I look at this game and say, okay, not this game in particular, but the game and the NFL game right now in general and say, is balance even attainable? So let's look. I did these stats leading into the week six game against the, uh, I think that was the Cleveland Browns. Week Going into week six, the Steelers had ran the ball 122 times, and they had thrown the ball 146. And I was so happy. I was like, man, this is so good. This is as close to balance as you're ever going to get in the National Football League because everyone's so pass happy now. And so now I was like, okay, let's look at it going into week 10. So going into week 10, the Steelers have run the ball 218 times, and have passed it 292. So they went from a differential of just over 20 to now we're talking a lot more, almost in the 60s. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's not as bad as I thought. (laughs) To be completely honest with you, it's not as bad as I thought. I was really expecting those passing numbers to be a lot higher than the rushing numbers, but the Steelers have tried to remain committed to being balanced. But at the same time, I don't think the balance is attainable in the National Football League. Not anymore. Why? You have to find a different way to win every single week. The last two weeks for the Steelers have been the perfect example. Baltimore, they can't do anything right in the first half. They score zero first half points. Shut out in the first half. Yeah, they scored a defensive touchdown, but I'm talking about the offense here. Okay? So you go against Baltimore and you get shut out in the first half, and then all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, what in the heck are they going to do in the second half to find some type of 
momentum, to get in some type of rhythm, to get some positive mojo going. Well, what do they do? They start sending five wide. Roethlisberger's calling the plays. He's just motioning left and right, moving guys here. You're running that. You're running that. Let's go. Let's run. Let's throw. And they win. It's a different way than compared to, say, what they did against the Cleveland Browns or what they did against the Tennessee Titans. So then let's rewind back to week nine. Dallas Cowboys, first half, they struggle. They struggle in key situations. Think about that fourth down failure in the first quarter. Turnover on downs, no points. You think about things like the missed extra point that puts them behind. You think about how they just struggled to run the ball in general against the worst rushing defense in the National Football League. So what do they do in the second half? Oh, ben Roethlisberger comes out with banged up knees, and he does almost the same exact thing as the week before. Spread him out. There we go. On my back. We got this. You do that. You do that. You go there. You go there. Let's go. And we win. I don't think that that is sustainable. It's just to show you that, in my opinion, I think that the balance that I've always preached here behind the steel curtain might be a bit overrated. It might be a bit overrated. When I think about it from this context, I think to myself how in the National Football League, you have to be able to win in multiple ways. I do think the balance is always great. If you can run and pass, that is the best way to win. But at the same time, if one of those avenues gets shut down, being able to do the other and doing it well enough to come from behind like they have in the last two weeks or to solidify a lead or to kill the clock or whatever the case may be, being able to do that is still very, very valuable. Very valuable. Okay, so balance, attainable, I don't think so. Necessary, eh, probably not. Probably not, as I think about it more. Lastly, you got to protect the football. Efficiency, that's almost probably the first thing that most people think of. If I tell you, hey, I see you on the street, you're wearing a Steeler shirt. Hey, man, hey, quick question for you. You're a Steeler fan. When you think of offensive efficiency, what do you think of? Most people are probably going to say, ah, don't don't turn it over. Exactly. That's what I would think. Don't turn it over. The Steelers have only turned the ball over eight times a season. They've had four interceptions. We talked about that with Roethlisberger a little bit ago, and they've had four fumbles. That's not bad. It's not bad. It could be better. Trust me, it could be better. You think about the Chase Claypool fumble early in the game against Baltimore. That definitely hurt the offense. Definitely got him out of rhythm. Uh, would have been a first down conversion, by the way. Uh, but still, those plays, you got to limit those. They're going to happen. You're going to throw picks. You're going to have fumbles or botched snaps or whatever the case is. You're going to have those plays. The question is, or I should say the key is, to limit those, and that's being efficient. So in my opinion, the number one identity crisis that the Steelers are facing right now is solved with one word, efficiency. Efficiency when it matters most, the red zone. Sometimes you got to throw balance out the window. You got to throw it out the window and say, say, look, the only way we're winning this game is we got to chuck it. We got to chuck it. And this all ties back into the turnovers and Ben Roethlisberger playing a ridiculously efficient brand of football right now. All good news for the Steelers. So if you're someone that's like down in the dumps about the Steelers offense, I wouldn't be so down on them right now. Not only do they seem to play to the level of their opponent, which might scare you when you look at the upcoming opponents, but they've also proven they can win in multiple ways. And they're also very efficient in the red zone. So we can hang our hats on that. This identity crisis could be solved with just one word. Efficiency. What about the defense though? Do they have issues? Well, they've got some issues. We'll talk about that and more coming up after this break.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Jeff Hartman back here for the second part of Let's Ride Your Wednesday podcast. I'm glad you're joining me. This defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have is elite. It is so nice, but I can't help but think that maybe there's some issues there on that side of the ball too. Look, no one's perfect. Yeah, the Steelers' record is perfect, but no one is actually perfect. There's no team that can sit there and say, oh, yeah, we we got it all figured out. No, no one can. Not even the Steelers. So if efficiency was the key for the offense, what's the key for the defense? I used to always laugh at my father. I kind of bring him up sometimes because we, we used to watch a lot of football games together. Sadly, I don't get to watch too many with him anymore. But uh, we'll still talk all the time, and you know we'll text each other during games and all that. So, But still, he always used to say, oh, here we go. Ben, don't break defense. Ben, don't break defense. They're going to bend, but they're just not. And honestly, in my opinion, <laughs> if the Steelers' defense can be that don't break defense, they will be just fine. Is it great to have a dominant defense? I'm talking about like that early 2000s, the 2008 defense, 2007, 2005. Would it be great to have that defense all the time? Yeah, but that's difficult. It's difficult in today's National Football League where the passing has never been more and the scoring has never been higher. It's just a crazy year. So with that said, in my opinion, if offense, it's efficiency. If defense, it's literally just two words. Don't break. Don't break. You can bend, just don't break. Let me explain. So talked about the red zone offense efficiency. Let's talk about the red zone defense. Right now, the Steelers are surrendering a touchdown in 59.09% of their of their opponents' red zone trips. Now, this is one that you want you don't want to have a high number. <laughs> okay. I think the New Orleans Saints are last in the National Football League in this category. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, they're giving up a touchdown in 80% of their opponents' uh, red zone trips. The Steelers are at 59.9, like I said, which ranks 11th. So not horrible. That's a number that's going to have to go down. Being stingy in the red zone is going to be crucial to the success of this team, holding teams to field goals and not giving up touchdowns. We've seen the Steelers be very good at this, And we've also seen them struggle with this, but that red zone defense is going to be something to really keep an eye on because again, don't break. That's the epitome of don't break. And we'll talk about it. Why the Steelers are taking the ball away again at a really nice clip. Are they going to match their total last year? I think of 36 takeaways. They're not on pace to do that. Now after eight games at the midway point, 15 takeaways is what they have. They have 11 interceptions and four fumbles. Why do I say don't break? Because if you don't give up the touchdown, it has been proven so far through eight games that you're going to get the ball back at least once in almost every single game, whether it's an interception, whether it's a fumble, a strip sack, doesn't matter. If you can just not give up the touchdown and hold teams to field goals, you're going to make a big play. Last year, everyone always said the same thing because these turnovers, these, I'm sorry, the takeaways, I want to make sure I differentiate the takeaways were just piling up. Everyone's can they, can they really rely on these takeaways every single week? Is that even possible? And the answer to that question was yes, inequivocally, yes, they could. And they did, and they did it all year. Okay. But the Steelers offense also coughed it up a bunch. The Steelers offense isn't doing that this year. 
They're uh, plus seven right now, which is a pretty good ranking right now. It's not the highest, but it's a good ranking. It's one of those situations where the defense doesn't have to be shut down in every single category. Would I love for them to be shut down in every single category, meaning that they're stopping the run, they're stopping the pass, they're getting after the quarterback, they're taking the ball away? Yeah, but I'm sorry. I don't think that defense exists in today's NFL, at least not in 2020. I mean, you think about the elite defenses in the, in the league, and you're going to have issues in some way, shape, or form. People will talk about Baltimore. Baltimore struggled at times. Look at what Patrick Mahomes did to him. Steelers came from behind and in, in what they did to them at, in, at M&T Bank Stadium. People talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. It's very good. But did you see what Drew Brees and the Saints did on Sunday Night Football? They lit them up. So I don't think, I'm not trying to justify anything for the Steelers. I'm just making a statement that is, I don't think there is that dominant defense this year anymore. And the, the numbers back me up here. So if you look at points per game, which is the epitome of don't break. Okay, the Steelers are giving up 20.1 points per game. That is tied for fourth. That is the epitome of bend, don't break. I've said it all year, and I said it all offseason. If 20 points is the watermark for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if 20 points is that number, if they can keep them off of 20, they should win. I agree with that 100%. Still do. Why? Because I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense should be able to put up 20 points against anyone. So if the defense can keep them off of 20, they're doing their job. And like I said, that's tied for fourth. But I want to make something very clear. There's only two teams in the NFL that are holding teams to under 20 points per game. And it's Baltimore and the LA Rams. The LA Rams are around 19. Baltimore is about 17. So when you look at things, and those are the top two defenses in terms of points per game, mind you. When you look at it that way, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is right on par with being that elite defense. But there's certain areas that they're not. Rushing yards per game, they have been slowly declining. Started the year after they dominated Saquon Barkley, dominated Melvin Gordon, dominated uh, David Johnson. It was just this laundry list of players. Yeah, Miles Sanders had that big run, but other than that, did nothing against when they played Philly. Slowly but surely, after that Baltimore game, they've been getting gashed. Little by little. Tyson Alawalu hasn't been in there. Does that matter? You bet it matters. But still, they're giving up 102.8 yards on the ground per game. That's ninth in the NFL. At one point, they were first. Now they're ninth. There's, that, that is a concern. That is a concern. But like I said, I don't think that a defense can be dominant in every single facet anymore. Passing yards per game, 214.6 per game. That's fifth in the National Football League. So that number's pretty good. And then I talked about the points. I feel like if the Steelers, they need to find out how you're going to, how you're going to make a team one dimensional. That's what your goal should be every single time. And what, what dimension should you make them be? Go to go the way of Dick LeBeau. When in doubt, go the way of Dick LeBeau. What does that mean? You ask? It means you stop the run. You stop the run and you force teams to throw. Why do you want four to force teams to throw? Because the Steelers have 11 interceptions on the season. That's number one. They also lead the NFL in sacks with 32. That's number two. But the problem is, is that when you allow teams to run, even just a little bit, even I'm not talking about the 263 yards they surrendered on the ground against the Baltimore Ravens in week eight. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying 
is that even when you give up 144 to Dallas in week nine, now all of a sudden you are not making Garrett Gilbert one-dimensional. You're giving Garrett Gilbert third and manageable situations. That's what you're doing. And when you do that, you don't get after the quarterback as much. People wondered, how do they only get two sacks? That's because the only time they put that offense in obvious throwing downs and defensive advantage down in distance, we're talking third and seven or longer, was only at the end of the game when the Steelers took the lead and then the Cowboys had to throw to get back. That's why you have to take the runaway. So you take the runaway, you make a team one-dimensional, and you get after it with the other two areas, interceptions, the takeaways, and then also the sacks. But you're not going to be able to do that all the time. I get it. Just don't break. Don't break. That's the identity of this Steelers defense. It should be moving forward. Don't break. Keep teams off of 20. Okay? It's great if it's dominant all the time. If you have a performance like you did against Cleveland in Week 6, that's phenomenal. Awesome. Fun to watch. It's one of the few games you'll be able to sit back and be like, this this is actually an easy one to watch. This is actually enjoyable. I understand that that's not going to happen every week. But if the Steelers are looking for an identity, that's it. Protect the end zone. Protect the end zone. If you give up yards, you give up yards. Who cares? But if you don't give up points, you're going to give your team a chance to win every single week. Period. Period. So I feel like I might have solved the identity crisis a little bit. I feel like I have. Efficiency on offense, bend, don't break on defense. And it sounds simple. Easier said than done, that's for sure. I wanted to I tease this earlier. I wanted to get to this. I wasn't going to talk about this in the podcast, but I did this earlier on a whim when the news broke that Ben Roethlisberger was one of those close contacts for COVID-19. I was like, oh, shoot, I should probably think about this. And what what would the fans want if Roethlisberger couldn't play on Sunday? And this is just for one game. So let's say that for whatever reason, Roethlisberger can't play Sunday, that he'd be back in week 11 against Jacksonville, but he couldn't play against Cincinnati. Who would the Steelers fan base want to be the quarterback? That was my question. Who would they want to be the quarterback? So I asked on Twitter, I said, if for some reason Ben Roethlisberger can't play on Sunday, who would you want to be the Steelers quarterback? And I gave the only three options that the Steelers have. Number one, Mason Rudolph. Number two, Joshua Dobbs. And number three, Devlin Duck Hodges. Those were your three options. I'm not talking about bringing anyone else in. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm just talking about the three quarterbacks that are in-house. Who would you, the fans, want to be the quarterback? Had a great response. Uh, Just under 1,500 of people voted on this poll on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore pit P I T short for Pittsburgh. Okay. So again, it's at J Hartman, J H A R T M A N no spaces underscore P I T. So I was shocked, absolutely shocked. I shouldn't be, but I was Joshua Dobbs got 61.5% of the votes. Mason Rudolph got 28.1 and Devlin duck Hodges got 10.4. I'm not shocked that Joshua Dobbs was the one that got the most votes. I guess I'm shocked that it was by that big of a margin. I know that when Mason Rudolph was in the game in week nine, it was not pretty. Then again, I don't know what kind of reps Mason Rudolph is getting in practice, but for whatever reason, and Mike Tomlin said this in his press conference on Tuesday, 
that it would be Mason Rudolph, but they're going to definitely get Joshua Dobbs some repetitions this week and, you know, see how it goes. I get that Joshua Dobbs brings a different dynamic to the offense, his ability to run. He's a very intelligent quarterback, a very intelligent player. He leans, Roethlisberger leans on him when he comes off the field for insights to look at the, you know, they're looking at the tablet together. Uh, So Joshua Dobbs definitely has earned some respect. I don't know if he's earned the on-field respect, but man, 61% of the votes. And like I said, there were about 1,500 people that voted on this. And that's not a large number by some standards on Twitter. But for me, it's it's pretty significant. I guess when I was thinking about who would I want? If Roethlisberger couldn't play, who would I want? Well, I'll tell you what I would do first. I would not make any and Tomlin kind of did this and I was surprised he did he he normally holds his cards to the vest so much better than this he had every opportunity to say you know what with Roethlisberger not being in practice we're going to split Joshua Dobbs and Mason Rudolph's reps 50 50 we're not sure what we're going to do we're going to play it by ear we're hopeful to get Ben Roethlisberger back and when he comes back he'll be the starter there's no issue about that no question about that but ultimately when it comes to the backup situation, we're going to let this week play out. We're going to practice these two guys. We're going to split the reps and see how things pan out by the end of the week. That's exactly what I would have said. And I'm shocked he didn't say it because now the Cincinnati Bengals, they're sitting there thinking, okay, well, we're going to plan for Ben. Never. Of course you're going to plan for Ben, but what if he doesn't play? And what if Joshua Dobbs is the quarterback? Well, Joshua Dobbs Boy, that cat that cat can run, and that, that's more like a that's more of like a Lamar Jackson type runner than a someone that just scrambles. But what if they play Mason Rudolph? He's more of a Ben Roethlisberger type. He's not going to move out of the pocket too much. He might try to extend the play. Uh, Consider to have a decent arm. But man, if Dobbs plays, that's different we might have to throw in some packages for that. We might have to take some practice time and think about what if Joshua Dobbs is a quarterback in just the thought process alone. Mike Tomlin could be going into a meeting saying to Mason Rudolph, you're the guy. If Ben can't play, you're the guy. I don't want you to listen to whatever I say at the press conference. I want you to know you're the guy. You got me. And Mason would say, yeah, coach, I got you. And then I go out and I say exactly what I said. I would have said if I was Mike Tomlin, And then I have the Bengals thinking. And if you just get them to think a little bit, if you just get them distracted a little bit, it can be an advantage. And you can work it to your advantage. I don't think that they're going to need to worry about this unless Ben Roethlisberger tests positive for COVID-19 this week, which could happen. It could happen. Just want to say that. It could have already happened. I don't know, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But at the time that this is recorded, it has not happened. I think Ben Roethlisberger will be fine. I think his knees are fine. Fine. Well, you know, I mean, he's taken some hits, but other than that, I mean, I don't think he's going to keep him out of a game. But I think that there's no doubt in my mind that if Roethlisberger can't play, they're going to go with Mason Rudolph at least to start. And then if he struggles, they'll they'll they won't waste any time putting Dobbs in. We'll put it that way. I was just shocked. Sixty one point five percent said Joshua Dobbs, the guy that was traded away to Jacksonville last year. Yeesh. Let's just hope Ben Roethlisberger's healthy, folks. Let's just do that. <laughs> All right, everyone, that's a good show. I'm glad you joined me. Uh, You might totally disagree with my identity crisis for the offense and defense. I tried not to be as bland and as boring as the offense just needs to do this one thing. Their identity needs to run the ball better. Well, no crap, they need to run the ball better. The defense just needs to stop the run. Well, yeah, no. Hello, 
thanks, Sherlock, or Captain Obvious. <laughs> we know this. Okay, so I tried to give you a little bit more. Hopefully, you learned something. Hopefully, those statistics were uh, beneficial to you in your fandom. In the meantime, folks, wherever you should uh, get your podcast, so Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, Pandora, follow us. Make sure you subscribe. Do whatever you have to do on that platform so that you don't miss a thing. That's not only the morning shows like my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Let's Ride, but also Tuesdays, Live Mike, Thursdays, Steelers, Stat Geek, and then all of our PM shows, my Injury Report podcast, my Mike Tomlin recap podcast on Tuesdays, our post game and all the weekend content. Really, really good stuff. Make sure you follow us. And then obviously, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers, period. We have everything that you could ever want. And that I'm not saying that lightly. I'm being completely honest, but Hey, I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of said website. In the meantime, folks have a great day. Be kind, be safe and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Friday. Take it easy.